Good morning. Uh, lovely to see you this morning here, um, and it's lovely to be back um, in a somewhat slower form than I normally am, it has to be said. Um, doing small things, uh, but my energy levels are still uh, very low. Thankfully, the breathlessness um, has begun to leave me, um, but my energy levels are still low. I've been negative now for over a week, so you're okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it, has, it wasn't an easy couple of weeks um, in many ways, and it's strange how... Uh, it affects so many different people in so many different ways uh, as well, and you're never really sure uh, how you're going to uh, react to it whenever you contract COVID. Uh, but it's good um, to be back uh, with you again this morning. The fact that I'm moving a little bit slower and maybe speaking a little bit slower may be helpful uh, this morning. Uh, <coughs> that was mentioned once or twice, but uh, yeah. We come and we gather today um, to worship. Um, we gather with the same purpose and the same mind Diverse people gathered from diverse situations, uh, but we've come to worship the same God, a God who is alive and who is well today. We use some verses from Psalm 95 uh, as we begin this morning. It says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord, he is a great God. He is the great King above all gods. In his hands are all the depths of the earth, and in the mountain peaks they belong to him. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. So come, let us bow down and worship, and let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are his people, the people of his pasture, and the flock that is under his care. Let us pray. Father God, whether we gather here today in person, or indeed online, gathering as a diverse group of people to worship you with one heart, one soul, and one voice. Help us to lift our hearts towards you, our eyes upward, to open ourselves before you, uh, mindful and hopeful of receiving from you today. In your name, amen. Amen. To the church in Thyatira, to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now that I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give him authority over the nations. He will rule over them with an iron scepter, and he will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thank you, Shirley, um, for reading us. 
Uh, we continue um, our series in Revelation. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've um, stepped out of that, um, but we continue uh, back into these seven um, letters, a message um, sent to the church uh, in that day, but sent to prophetically for us as a church um, in today. Um, we've been wondering over the last weeks as we looked at this about what it would say to us today. We've seen that actually in each of these letters there's been moments of com condemnation and commendation. Um, and so often um, there's moments where you're really good at doing this, but actually here's what I hold against you. Um, except, of course, uh, for one of the churches. Ephesus had forgotten its first love. Um, it needed to be like a tree um, planted and go with its roots going down. Uh, Smyrna was suffering for their faith. Um, they needed to receive the crown of glory, something to run towards. Uh, Pergernum, um, was, their identity was secure. Uh, the word of God was true. And today we look at the church in Thyatara. Um, and it had four uh, qualities that it was con commended for. Before we look at them, let's just pray um, together as we open God's word. Father God, for this message that is sent, living and active as a double-edged sword is your word, we pray that our hearts, our minds will be open to receive today from you. May your word and not my words be in our hearts, we pray. Amen. Amen. As I said at the beginning, uh, energy levels are low for me. Uh, breathlessness has left a bit. And there's about 10 days where I find it very hard um, to breathe. Uh, but one of the things that I have uh, been left with a bit is uh, they're calling it brain fog. Um, so I know what I want to say. But it doesn't always get from the brain to the mouth. Um, now, it was also my birthday during the week, so... Um, I'm maybe being accused in my house of that being old age rather than brain fog. Um, so if there's moments where I kind of pause today and have to think, it's because I'm thinking about what the word should be um, and it isn't quite um, coming to me. But this church in Thyatara, um, we're commended for four things. Um, we see that in verse 19. Uh, Jesus says, I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, and your perseverance. Um, they were commended for their love, their faith, their patience, and indeed their service. And each of those things are really good qualities to be praised for, um, aren't they? It's good to be praised for our love. It's good to be praised for the fact that we have faith. It's good to be praised for the fact that we are patient. And it's good to be praised for the fact that we are serving, and that we are doing what it is that we should be doing. And as I said before, um, the churches are all given a word, if you like. There's a word, a particular word that is spoken to them. So for Ephesus, it was love. Um, Smyrna, it was suffering. For Pergamum, it was truth. For Thyatara, it is holiness. And holiness is a word that we kind of almost see as something that is unattainable. It's hard to grasp. What does holiness mean? Uh, is it so such a, a sphere, an element of perfection that I, I'll never be holy? So how can I try to attain holiness? In each of these letters, Jesus opens with a description of himself. And that's vital and important for what is, comes in the letter. And here in verse 18, he says that these words, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Now there's a little bit uh, of a reticence um, or a reflection 
uh, a recalling of the prophets in the book of Daniel at that point, uh, where the bronze was the one that was going to be smashed. Um, but here Jesus is saying that his eyes are like blazing fire and the feet are like burnished bronze. They're, whenever he looks at us, he sees purity. He is purity. His eyes cut through all of the dross and all of the rubbish and they see exactly what needs to be seen. And so he's saying to this church in Thyatira, I am looking at you and I am cutting through everything and I can see to the very heart, the core of who you are and why you exist. His eyes burned against all that was not holy. There's a sense of judgment in there. There's a sense of fire in there. There's a sense of this is someone who stands over us and who looks into us and who has the authority to speak to us. Do you remember the church in Ephesus was sliding backwards? They'd forgotten their first love. Here in Thyatira, we see that they are commended for those four things. And those four things, it tells us, are growing day by day. So they are moving forward. And that's really important because as Christians, we never, ever stand still. Christianity is not about staying in the same place. And so as a believer, we're either moving backwards or forwards. A bit like that little illustration with the Fredo today. We either have a little bit more faith today or a little bit less faith. And that will create a trajectory in our lives as to where our movement is with the Lord. So what is your direction of travel at present? Preachers included as he asked that question. What is our direction of travel? Are we moving backwards or forwards with the Lord? A phrase that I've used over the last number of weeks and months especially from the beginning of this pandemic, is that we're to call God's past faithfulness into our present situation. We're to remember His goodness and His promises of old, spoken either through the Scriptures or spoken to us as individuals. And we're to call those into our present circumstances and stand on them. Because what He promises is true and faithful. And it helps us in our present struggles and circumstances. And sometimes I've been asked the question, why do I repeat that so often? Why do I keep saying the same phrase over and over again? Sometimes it's because we need to hear it over and over again. We know that, don't we? If we're trying to learn something new, if a teacher's trying to teach us something new, they get us to repeat it. That's how we eventually, well, we hope we eventually get it in to our brains, don't we? We know that whenever we learn a new skill, we need to keep repeating that skill until we're able to hone it and become a master craftsman or master craftsperson at that skill, whether that's baking or sewing, whether that's carpentry or whether that's electricity or whether that's a plumber, whatever that might be, the more we do it, the more we hone it and shape it. And so we need to allow our circumstances contribute to our faith journey. Uh, often sometimes we want, I think, sometimes we want to dismiss the circumstances that we find ourselves in 
and get on with our faith journey. But often the circumstances that we find ourselves in contribute to our faith journey. And if we don't allow the, those circumstances to contribute to our faith journey, then our, then our faith becomes subservient to those circumstances. In other words, if we don't allow the circumstances, the things that we encounter day by day to shape and hone us and allow us to grow in our journey with God, then those things will shape our faith and will begin to diminish our faith. And so we're either moving forward or we're moving backward. But often it's a choice that we can make. You see, something is held against this church in Thyatira. Verse 20, it says, Nevertheless, he says, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. That woman, Jezebel. That word, Jezebel, has been used for centuries to describe a temptress, hasn't it? They're a real Jezebel. In lots of different circumstances. And so actually what Jesus is saying is here, this church of Thyatira has allowed themselves to be led astray. They're drifting. And I've said before during this series that drifting is something that happens to us without us realizing that it's happening. Now, we said this in life groups as well. That, you know, nobody goes to the beach with an inflatable and thinks as they blow it up, I'm going to float out to sea and get rescued by the lifeboat today. They blow up the inflatable, they get in it, they have fun, and all of a sudden, after it's too late, they realize, oh, hold on a minute. <laughs> How did I get to here? Because that's <laughs> the shore. And now I'm in difficulty. And so drifting happens to us without us realizing that it's happening. And this letter to the church in Thyatira is a call back for believers to return back to God. To not allow the circumstances to pull us and entice us and tease us and tempt us away from Him. Because as we said at the beginning, holiness, holiness can seem as something that is unattainable. That's for somebody else. That's somebody else who is actually holy. I can see it in them, but I can't see it in myself. And I don't know how I could get to the point of being holy. How can I strive to have a holy characteristic within me? Yet the scriptures tell us that it is ours for the taking. We, the church, the body of Christ, are to reflect his glory. That's what being holy is. A little book um, here is called Heart Talks on Holiness. Um, the Ballymena Man's Dream, he got this free uh, at a book giveaway uh, one day. It's really old, it's quite dilapidated, um, it's got stains on it, and you kind of pick it up and think, you can't even really read the title on it, all the gold guild uh, has gone off it. Uh, I picked it up, um, looked inside it, had never heard of the author, but thought I'll take that home and see what it's like. Um, it's written by a, a Salvation Army um, colonel, um, so somebody who's a, a member of the Salvation Army, a church leader. It's written many, many decades ago, and this is what he says about holiness. If people would but study the life and, and spirit of Jesus, 
and gladly let his mind be in them, the subject of holiness would be greatly simplified. Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. And then he goes on to show us that this mind is one of the deepest humility, which led Jesus to empty himself of his glory, humble himself to die on a cross as the foulest of men. And it is in this humble, self-forgetting, love, loving mind he pleads with us to have. Holiness is not some lofty experience, unattainable except to those who can leap to the stars, but it is rather a lowly experience, which lowly men in the lowly walks of life can share with Jesus by letting his mind be in them and theirs in his. Sometimes we overcomplicate attempting to be holy. What that Colonel Bregnell was saying is, it's actually quite simple. It's about allowing Jesus to influence your life and allowing Jesus to influence your words and your actions, allowing his mind to be your mind, as the scriptures say, and your mind to be his. Holiness shifts within you. This Jezebel wants to contaminate the church. She wants to pull them away. And that Jezebel is a link back to 1 Kings whenever actually the female cult Jezebel brought the god Balaam into the nation of Israel. And she began to entice other people to worship a false god and led them away from Yahweh. And Jesus is quite clear here because he says in verse 22, So I will cast her in a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent in their ways. I will strike their children dead and then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. That sounds really, really harsh. It's not something we like to hear today that he is going to strike her children dead. He is going to add suffering unless they repent. Those who commit adultery, in other words, those who are not in love with God, but rather are allowing themselves to be in love with other people. Christians who have pledged their faith in Jesus, but who are drifting away from him. That's the burning eyes, looking to the very core of our being and seeing who we are and what our intentions are, the preacher included. We need to be ensured that we are not letting the devil drift, allowing us to drift, enticing us away slowly and smallly. Smallly? There's one of those words that didn't quite come out properly. Um, the scriptures tell us that he disguises himself amongst us. We need to be a holy church the theologian W.E. Sanger once said, the world cannot ignore a holy church. A church is on fire for seeking to believe in Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to be the mind of Jesus. The world cannot ignore that church because that church will be striving to become more like Jesus. But too often, believers in the church have settled for happiness over holiness. It's about what I can get out of it. How do I feel today rather than what glory and honor can I bring to Jesus today? 
God's chief end is not to make us happy. I don't perceive God's chief end is to, be, is to make us happy. But what I do glean from the scriptures is that he does determine that we are to be holy. We are to be striving to become more like him. Less of us and more of him. Note the graciousness of the Lord. Whilst it is harsh to say that he is going to create suffering in Jezebel's life and those who commit adultery with her, in other words, those who profess faith in Jesus but who aren't showing that. There is a graciousness in it because actually he says, I have given her time to repent of her immorality. He gives us time to repent because repentance is the key it's a turning away it's a recognizing that we're not quite right and that we turn back to him he gives us that opportunity again this morning to return back to him repentance is the key see in micah at chapter 7 it says this who is a god like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance you do not stray angry forever nor delight but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us and will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. He has compassion on us and he gives us what we need. But in the church of Thyatira, there's a godly remnant. There's a group of people who have not succumbed to the drifting and to the enticing and the tempting away from God. And for them... He says they will get a reward. And my prayer is that we are a part of that remnant. A remnant in the church, the universal church, that does not drift away from our first love. Verse 25 says, Only hold on to what you have until I come again. That's the key. Hold on. For Christ is returning. And what's the reward for his church? Tells us here, each of these letters have a reward for those who do what they say. It says in verse 26, To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter and dash them in pieces like pottery, just as they've received authority from my Father. I'll also give them the morning stars. Two things that they will receive. One, authority, and they will receive Jesus, the morning star. That's describing himself. You see that again in Revelation 22. We will possess Christ as well as being possessed by Christ. He is mine and I am his should be our battle cry. Selwyn Hughes, who's written many books and who has written great devotional books, actually. Um, he was the one who authored Every Day with Jesus, the little daily devotional you may uh, use in your own times. He said this, Let us rejoice in this fact. No matter what we give up for him down here on earth, it is nothing compared to the glory we will share with him when we see him face to face. No matter what we give up for him down here, it is nothing compared to the glory that we will receive when we see him face to face. So hold on till the end. Jesus is coming. Let's be faithful and let's stop any drifting that there is in our lives in order 
that we can be sure that we're the best version of who he created us to be, striving for the holiness that he wants us to have. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you are present with us and that in your presence we find the fullness of your measure. In the fullness of your measure, may we receive all that we need. In receiving all that we need, may we strive to be holy in the world around us, in our faith and in our journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen. We conclude today using the words of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Forgive me if I sit down and don't go outside um, to say cheerio to you um, today. But thank you for being a part of it. it's been in person or indeed online today. Thank you.